Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Now, the lines are wide open. You should be able to understand, perceive from the name of the program that we are encouraging you to call in and join the crossfire. In other words, we're here to discuss the Bible. It's not necessarily supposed to just be a one-way sermon, but you have the right to call in and discuss any of the scriptures that we bring up or any scriptures you want to. Perhaps we even disagree about a particular Bible topic or a particular scripture. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss it in a friendly way because both of us, hopefully, are intent on finding the truth. After all, Jesus said in John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free talking about being made free from sin. And he said in the verse right before that, he said, you are my disciples indeed if you continue in my word. All these different preachers preaching different things, but they can't all be right. Two plus two cannot equal four and five at the same time. Only those who continue in his word are his true disciples. Only those who follow the truth will be freed, forgiven, saved from their sins. Now, the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Six seven five five. The last couple of weeks, we were talking about how people react to learning the truth. And we're talking about truth that would demand a change in their life, truth that would demand a change in their belief or practice. We're not talking about a change in maybe a, uh, a recipe for a meal, a change in biblical finding the, the truth from the Bible. And it's going to demand a change in my belief or practice. How do I react to that? Or am I willing to make the change? We talked about some people, how they get angry, like John the Baptist, when he told Herod that it was not lawful for him to have Herodias, not lawful for him to be married to Herodias. Herodias got so mad, asked for John the Baptist's head on a charger, had his head chopped off because he told her the truth on divorce and remarriage. You can't stay in a marriage that's not lawful during New Testament times if it violates Matthew 19, 9. If you divorce for any reason other than fornication and remarry, Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9, you commit adultery. John the Baptist was willing to preach the truth in his day on divorce and remarriage. He lost his head. That's not the way to react to the truth. Get so mad that you kill somebody to shoot the messenger. And then we talked about some people did the right thing. They repented and they changed. How about the people in Acts 2? Peter accused them of crucifying the Son of God. I can't think of a worse sin than that. The people had the right attitude, the listeners. They said, what should we do? Acts 2.37. And in verse 38, Peter told them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter's talking to believers here, and he tells them they have to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. So a person is not forgiven of their sins at all until they're baptized. And even if a person is baptized, if they're not a penitent believer first, it won't do them any good. You have to repent of your sins as a believer. You have to commit to changing your life in regard to sin. In the terminology of Romans 6, you have to quit serving sin and start serving righteousness. You have to start serving Christ. Then you get baptized, you're forgiven of all your sins, and then God expects you to follow through on that commitment. That's the way to react to the truth. What the people did in Acts 2 is 3,000 souls reacted in a positive way, were baptized. They repented, were baptized, and got the remission sin. But then we talked about last week about Felix and King Agrippa in Acts 24 and Acts 26. They didn't get mad when they heard the truth, but they didn't obey the gospel either. They just did nothing. Just almost thou persuadest me. 
come back another time, a procrastination kind of thing. We talked about those passages last time. That's probably the worst reaction and probably almost certainly the most common reaction. Most people, they don't get mad when you teach them the truth, when you challenge them with the truth. They don't, but they don't obey either. They just do nothing. They're apathetic. Now, the question tonight I want to look at uh, while we're waiting on our first call, and, and, and the calls do have priority. So if you want to call with a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Why do some people, when they hear the truth, why do they not change and obey? Why? Well, let's look at the Bible for some insight into that. How about turning first in your Bibles to John 12, 42 and 43? And John 12, 42 and 43 reads this way. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. Talk about on Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Some people are like these chief rulers. They're not willing, they hear the truth, and they even understand the truth. These people believe the truth in this case. They believe in Jesus, but they weren't willing to follow through on that belief. A lot of preachers will tell you, all you got to do is believe in Jesus to be saved. Here's some people that believed in Jesus, but they weren't willing to confess him. They weren't willing to follow through on, on their belief, so they weren't saved. Not at all. you got to do more than belief. Your belief has to lead to action. You remember James 2.24 says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Anyway, these chief rulers weren't willing to give up their religious era. They understood the truth, but they, their reaction to the truth that demanded a change in their life was just to sit where they were because they didn't want to give up the church they were a part of, you might say. They love, because they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. I think there's a lot of people like that today. And we need to ask our own heart that. I need to ask my heart that. You need to ask your heart that. When you're hearing the truth, being preached, perhaps on this radio program, and it demands a change in your belief and practice, religious belief and practice. Are you going to be willing to make that change, or are you just going to stick with what you've always believed, maybe what your parents believe, and uh, and not follow what the truth clearly says? Remember, only the truth is going to set us free from sin, John eight thirty two. You have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ to have God, Second John 9. So it's very, very important how we react to the truth. We've been over those passages. Uh, if you have a Bible question or comment, again, the number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Another example of, of why people don't uh, react positively to the truth and change is found with the story of the rich young ruler. Many of you are probably familiar with that story. Let's pick up Matthew 19, 21 and 22. Jesus is having a conversation with this rich young, rich young ruler. And Jesus says to him in verse 21 of Matthew 19, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Hey, that's the way a lot of people are. They hear the truth. They understand the truth. And in a sense, they even agree with the truth. But they're not willing to follow the truth. Why? Because it might cost them financially. Let me give you just an illustration that gets these last puts these last two points together. Here's a man, a lawyer that worships. And I got this illustration from somebody else. I didn't come up with it. He wor- he worships this very large congregation. 
so big that he never has to search out for lawyer business. He gets all the clients he needs just from the church he goes to. He goes to church there because he can get a lot of business for his lawyer uh, business, a lot of clients. Then he hears the truth. He learns the truth, perhaps from a program like this or perhaps from a local gospel preacher. And he understands it. And in a sense, he believes it. He really believes it. But he knows it's going to mean he's going to have to leave this large church that's not following the church. Maybe a thousand people in that church. And he's going to have to go and worship at this church that's much smaller, maybe only 50 or 100 people. This smaller church is following the truth. (laughs) And deep down, he knows it. He knows that's the truth. But he's not willing to change from this larger church that's not following the truth to the smaller church that is following the truth because it's going to hurt his business. He's just not willing to give up the church he's a member of because of financial reasons. We've got to get over these kind of little things that are getting in the way of us serving the Lord faithfully. It doesn't matter what gets in the way. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Talking about the necessities of life. we got to put God first over anything. we got to put God first over whatever religion we're in. If it's not following the truth, we got to we got to put God first and get out of that religion, that church. We got to put Jesus first before money. I find people have a hard time doing that. The rich young ruler wasn't willing to do that. We got to put Jesus first before our job. We got to put put Jesus first before our family. We got to put Jesus first before college football or college basketball. Jesus has got to come first. We talked about putting him first before family. Let's read about that in Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to read for you verse 29 and 30. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Here's Luke 18, 29 and 30. Jesus speaking says, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. You have to be willing to leave your parents, to leave your house, to leave your children for the kingdom of God's sake. It's just that simple. You got to put Jesus first. You know, there's an interesting point here about you have to be willing to leave your wife, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Some people are not willing to give up the beliefs of their parents that happens in just about any church. They may hear the truth on any something particular thing, but they're just not willing to leave the beliefs of their parents. And here it says, as I mentioned, you may have, even have to give up your wife for the kingdom of God's sake. Well, how could that be true? I thought God wanted us to stay with our wife. Well, for an explanation of that, let's go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. But before we do, let's take this call. Amir from Pennsylvania. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, when people from other religions, such as Judaism or uh, Islam, pray to God, what does he do? When they pray to God, what does he do? Yeah. Well, I'm looking at a passage, and there's a number of passages we could look at. Amir, thanks for your call. But first, I'm no looking at Isaiah 59, verse 2. He's talking to the Israelites here, and he says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So if a person's not a Christian, not a faithful Christian, 
their iniquities have separated them from God if he will not hear their prayers. Does that answer your question? Yes. So, now, do, are these people, do you agree that the, the Jews and the Muslims, for example, even though they believe in the one true God, they're not Christians because they don't, they don't they believe in Jesus Christ, right? Right. Right. I'll get to that in a minute, but let me read you another verse. I mean, your first Peter three twelve says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So anybody that's not a faithful Christian, God is not going to hear their prayer. Now, as far as even though somebody like a Jew or a Muslim believes in the one true God, they don't believe in Jesus. Therefore, they're not a, they're not a Christian. Remember, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, that's Jesus, shall not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here's a passage, John 8, 24, Amir. Jesus speaking here said, I said, therefore, unto you, ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So you have to believe in Jesus to be saved, to be a Christian, to be a faithful Christian. People that don't believe in Jesus, they're not faithful Christians. So based upon those other two passages, God's not going to hear their prayer. Make sense, Amir? Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for your Have good call. Day. All no right. Problem. God bless you. One more verse. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So even though you may believe in God, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then you're not going to be saved. That's required under New Testament law. Not only do you have to believe in Jesus, you have to believe in the resurrection, that he was resurrected, the resurrection of Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10. But we were talking about Luke 18, 29 and 30. Why might a person ever have to leave their wife for the kingdom of God's sake? I can only think of one reason. Because they're in a marriage that God does not approve of. If you're in a scriptural marriage, God would never want you to leave that marriage. And so it would be basically... Uh, oxymoron to say, leave your wife for the kingdom of God's sake. No, you have to stay with your wife, no matter what, for the kingdom of God's sake. But if you're in an unscriptural marriage, an adulterous marriage, as defined by Jesus in passages like Matthew 19, 9, of course you would have to leave your wife for the kingdom of God's sake. I'm reading Matthew 19, 9. Jesus said, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Now, I've been married to Carol for 33 years, but if she were to cheat on me sexually, I could divorce her, according to this verse, and remarry. But it, I can't. if she doesn't cheat on me, I can't divorce her for any other reason. If I divorce her for any other reason other than fornication, I sin. And if I marry again, I commit adultery. That second marriage that's in violation of Matthew 19, 9, Jesus calls it adultery. You want to be saved and be a faithful Christian and have God hear your prayers, as Amir asked about, you're going to have to terminate that marriage. You can't stay in an adulterous marriage any more than you can stay in a gay marriage and be right with God. You're going to have to terminate that relationship. You're going to have to terminate that marriage. Some people know that. They've heard Matthew 19, 9 taught. You don't really need it to taught. All you got to do is read it. You can tell what the truth is. It's so simple. You can tell that it's adulterous marriage if you divorce for any reason other than fornication and marry another. And if you marry somebody that's been divorced, put away. You're in adultery. You can tell from that. You got to get out of that marriage. Anybody can see that. 
So people know that. They can understand that. They've read Matthew 19.9, but they're not willing to leave their second or third marriage. It's in violation of Matthew 19.9. Well, this is a, I'm married to this young, pretty thing. I love her. I'm not leaving this. You have to be willing to put God first. Some people hear and understand the truth, like on divorce and remarriage in Matthew 19.9, but they're not willing to give it up. They're not willing to give up sin, the pleasures of sin. We can read about Moses as an example of somebody who was willing to give up the pleasures of sin. Turn to Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. And by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Here's how Hebrews 11, 24 through 26 reads. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses was willing to give up the pleasures of sin. And after all, he's the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, when he got to be a young man, he could have all the wine, women, and song that he wanted. But he gave it all up, all of that possible pleasure of sin, because he had respect to the recompense of reward. Just like us, he wanted to go to heaven to get God's reward. And so he gave up the pleasures of sin in order that he could go to heaven on the judgment day. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. They hear the truth, maybe on this program or some other gospel preacher. That truth demands a change in their belief or practice. They understand it, but they're not willing to change because they know it may mean they're going to have to give up the pleasures of sin. Maybe they're in an unscriptural marriage and they don't want to leave that marriage. Maybe they're homosexual. They don't want to leave, uh, quit being a homosexual. Maybe they like to drink and get drunk. They're alcoholics and they don't want to quit drinking. It could be just about anything. Maybe they cuss and they're not willing to give up cussing. They don't want to give up sin, so they don't follow the truth, even though they understand the truth. One other passage I want to let you look at at this point, Luke 14, verse 33. And if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. We're turning to Luke chapter 14. And I'm going to read verse 33. It says, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You have to be willing, the newer translations say renounce. You have to be willing to forsake, renounce anything that's getting in between you and serving the Lord. Whether it's a money, job, football, basketball, family. A uh, false religion, a uh, uh, unscriptural church, a church that's not following the truth. You have to be willing to forsake any of that if you really want to be Jesus' disciple. That's why people aren't willing to obey. Michael from Georgia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I was just wondering, um, in the teaching of the marriage and divorce that you're referencing, and you're going over the teachings of Christ, um, and he's quoting the law of Moses, according to Galatians 4, 4, that Jesus was still teaching under the law. He was born 
by a woman under the law to redeem those that was under the curse of the law. The new covenant doesn't go into effect. It had no power until after his death. So he was teaching new covenant principles, but not so necessarily as we're supposed to be. You didn't go into 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where Paul uh, talks about the unbelieving spouse or the believer staying with the unbelieving spouse because they may get them saved. Yep. And I was, I was so wondering, Matt, how, do you, how, do you, how do you reconcile those two? So let me read to you Matthew 5, 31 and 32. And you could do the same thing in Matthew 19, 8 and 9 too. Jesus is speaking okay. here on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. He's quoting from Deuteronomy right. 24, verse 1, the Old Testament law on divorce mm-hmm. and remarriage. But he says, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever marrieth her which is divorced committeth adultery. Very similar to Matthew 19.9. You see there, Michael, he's contrasting. He quotes the Old Testament law on divorce and remarriage. He contrasts, and he says, here's going to be the New Testament law on that. As a matter of fact, he had just said in the previous chapter, Matthew 4.23, it says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So it's true that some of the time, Michael that Jesus mm-hmm. touched on the old law. But most of his teaching is what we call preparatory teaching. He's teaching New Testament law. And that's exactly what he's doing in Matthew 5.32 and Matthew 19.9. In both cases, he contrasts his teaching with the Old Testament law on divorce and remarriage. So you know he's given New Testament law, and it's saying that you can only divorce and you can only remarry if the divorce was for fornication. Now, in 1 Corinthians 7.15, there's really, Michael, nothing really to reconcile. First Corinthians 7.15 basically says this, and I'm going to read it. It says, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother, a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So if, if I'm married to, say, for example, an unbeliever, and they leave me, there's nothing I can do about that. I did not sin if I don't divorce them. It tells me in 12 and 13, don't you divorce them. Don't you leave them. But if they leave you, you haven't sinned. But it does not give me permission in 1 Corinthians 7.15, to remarry. If it did, it would contradict Matthew 19.9. Follow up, Michael? I follow that, but I'm not saying about about, about remarry. What I'm speaking of, read verse 16. Could you stop at 15? Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Let me read 16. My bad. It says, my bad. It says, what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? So, yeah, if, if you're, if, uh, if they if they make up their mind they're going to leave, you know, that's not your fault. You might not have been able to save them anyway is the point, verse 16. You might not have been able to convert them anyway. Go ahead, Michael. Maybe I, you need to make no, your own I, point. Go ahead. No, no, no. I understand what you're saying about the divorce. And, and that's what I'm speaking on specifically is Jesus was still under the law. We we have to keep this in context. A lot of the new te- the new covenant teaching that I hear today, and they quote Jesus, and they say this is Jesus speaking, but they leave out Galatians four and four. They said Jesus was born under woman, born under law to redeem them under the curse of the law. This is why he said, now no jot a tittle must pass away to all these things be fulfilled. We okay, have to Michael. believe in the finished works of the cross. Thank you, right? Michael. And Thank so you, you very much. I'm, I've, I've really, I love you, buddy, but I've already responded to that by saying that in both Matthew 19.9 and Matthew 5.32, he contrasts his teaching with the old law. And in Matthew 4.23, he's saying he's teaching the, gospel, the, the, the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom. So he's teaching New Testament law. 
in both Matthew 5 and Matthew 19.9. Joel from Spokane, Washington. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay. Now, the Bible talks about the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, Then we, we, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That word caught up is what rapture means. So on the end, the last day, the Christians are going to be raptured, caught up to meet the Lord. But the tribulation, the great tribulation, is mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, Matthew 24, 21. And then if you go down 13 verses, Joel, to verse 34, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass to all these things be fulfilled. So the, this great tribulation that we read about in Matthew 24, 21 has already happened. It happened in that generation. It has to do with the, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. 